It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia, competing for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a shot at a free entry into a contest with 100 thousand dollars in total prizes all you gotta do is sign up using the promo code wmvp and opt into the DraftKings big birdie payday download the DraftKings app now and use the code wmvp during sign up this week DraftKings is putting you in the action with a shot at a free entry into the one hundred thousand dollar contest with their big birdie payday promotion that's code wmvp and you get your shot at an entry into the $100,000 contest, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. If you're not into golf, there's always the NBA. Of course, college basketball is over now that Baylor has won the national championship. But you just check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hey, they believe in this podcast, and I believe in them. Support the people that support us here on the Brotherhood Basketball Podcast. My special guest, Ryan Hollins from CBS Sports. We'll talk about everything, including the Final Four and the NBA storylines here in the month of April, right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And there he is, the UCLA Bruin from CBS Sports. It is my friend Ryan Hollins. He joins us here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Ryan, as always, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it's about time I, I get to come on the show, man. Well, I didn't want to call you until after the Final Four. I wanted to see what was going to happen first. <laughs> yeah. So, so now we saw what happened. And so I'll ask you this. What did the Final Four do for the UCLA brand? And what did it do for the basketball team moving forward? Because no one, a lot of people did not see this coming. It was quite the story, wasn't it? It was, and it's huge. And I'll take you back to 2006. You know, I'm a history major, man. I always put that out there. I like to go back in history. When we made it to the championship game, Kevin Love was, I think, either the number one or at least the top five recruit in the country at that time. And he was kind of on the fence. And when we made it to that game, Kevin locked in and sealed his commitment. Thus, you have two more Final Fours. Russell Westbrook came, but he was just a kid out of Losinger. They didn't know Russell Westbrook was going to be Russell Westbrook. So in terms of UCLA, UCLA, if they can show they're competitive and there's a good brand there, the kids come flooding in. You know, you'll have your pick of them. And just to this new generation of kids... Honestly, Kentucky is the brand. Kentucky and Cal Perry, they're the team. Mm -hmm. And with the type of year that they had and the way that they fell apart, um, it's going to open the door for the USC's, the Kansas's, the Carolinas uh, to really get back on track because Cal, Cal has just honestly had his pick. But if you think about what Cal, what got Cal going, hey, I got John Wall. I had Derrick Rose at Memphis, you know, and Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousin. He goes on the line and on the line of that and he was someone who really embraced the one and done culture so I think UCLA can open things back up uh, a guy like Dacia Nix chose to play with for the G League Select rather than go to UCLA because he maybe did not see the same promise there now the G League Select route is a completely different route but to answer your question it opens the door back up because a kid coming in can see a future at UCLA 
It's great to see that this is happening in the post Commissioner Scott era <laughs> in the for the Pac twelve. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. well, listen, I mean, that's another hour podcast of how bad that guy was in that job. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, from a football standpoint and basketball, it just the lack of promotion, the lack of promotion for the Pac-12 network. Like, I, I'm in front of my big screen now. It's still in non-HD, it's still in standard. I'm like, come on, man. Give me the Pac-12 in, in HD at least. Um, but anyway, <laughs> look, look, look at what's happening now, Ryan. I mean, because... The Pac-12 was not thought of as a basketball power, and look at what they did in the tournament, man. That turns it completely around, the perception. It absolutely does. And, you know, for me covering college basketball this year, the consensus was, as much as I tried to ride for the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is weak. It's not the same. They're a down conference. No team really stood out to shine, and you didn't see the out-of-conference schedule, so... The Big Ten beat each other up. The Big 12, they beat each other up in conference, but they had a tough out-of-conference schedule. You had All-Americans returning to school, guys like Luca Garza. So the notoriety in those conferences were big. If they took a, a tough loss or two or three, those, those were still a top 25 team. You know, So no one really knocked each other off. And with you thought Arizona State would be it. They kind of cracked the 25, top 25. But the teams in the Pac-12 beat each other up. But... When they got into, uh, into the tournament, I mean, it, it was unbelievable what every team did. And then you have a team like Oregon State that makes the tournament at the last second, goes down to the wire, and makes it all the way to a Sweet 16. So ultimately, man, the, the Pac-12 showed out. But I think it was just a – it's a um, – what, what, what we call it? Give me, give me a word of, of COVID. It's a uh, – what a, um, uh, you know uh, – Jonathan, help me out. What? 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 I don't it's know. A, what a COVID. It's a, 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 you know what I'm saying. But essentially, <laughs> because of COVID, yes. you could not see how good the uh, the Pac-12 was. That's correct. It was the, it was a shadow of COVID that made you not see. Well, how good the Pac-12? It was that right? Would that even make sense? No, no, not no, no. You went to UCLA, right? Okay. I was a history major. That means I don't know how to spell. Okay. The, 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 all, don't let a history major fool you. We weren't English majors because we don't spell. So you end up being a history major and they don't dock you. They they, they, they grade me on my content and not my organization. Well, okay. just, well, just so you know, Ryan Hollins, you don't spell Christopher Columbus with any Ks. It was all Cs. Um, <laughs> just try to help you. Uh, so, so tell me, man, from the NBA standpoint, so what does a, a healthy Laker team look like? Do they have enough once they're healthy? Can they be, will they have trouble against Utah or the Clippers once they're all healthy and back together again? I don't, I don't think they will. Uh, ultimately the biggest pickup in free agency and Jonathan, we, we spoke about this kind of, you know, looming was Andre Drummond, you know, unless the Nets have somebody in hand. They never got a shot blocker. And as great as Blake Griffin is, and I think he's got a lot of miles left, I, I know he does, LaMarcus Aldridge, who can get a bucket. Uh, the one thing that team just needed is a, a glue guy and a defender. And I had we had Drummond on the podcast, Opinionated Seven Footers, and he was excellent. He was like, yo, I looked at the league. I know I could score. I could do these things. But let me be great at what nobody else does. He said, well, shoot, who offensive rebounds? He's like, not many people. So he's like, I'm going to be the best offensive rebounder the league has and if i'm not mistaken he's leading the league or top five at worst safe scenario in there so the lakers hit the lottery there and now the biggest luxury i want you to look for it i want you to remember i've said this you get anthony davis sliding back over to the four spot 
So if you can end games with Andre Drummond, his free throw shooting's improved. Now Anthony Davis is comfortable to roam, block shots. He's not getting the miles put on his body because when he comes back off this injury, the last thing, if you're a Laker fan, or Gene Buss or LeBron, you want to see Anthony Davis getting that Achilles or his ankles beat up. and You want him as healthy as he can be. And Drummond is a guy who can definitely release some stress from him. Uh, so when it comes to Brad Stevens in Boston, you know, Ryan, I, I look at how top-heavy the East is with you know the 76ers, the Nets, looking at what the Bucks are. Because the top of the East is so heavy, will we ever see the Celtics seriously contend again under Brad Stevens? You know what, man? That's the team that I look at that is at least possibly a trade away, you know, a, a chemistry move. They're always going to be in the trade talks. Uh, they're out, they're always throwing their name around. But I think Danny Ainge is just waiting to pull the trigger on the right move that can get them back in contention or a free agent signing. And you could say, man, they really dropped the ball. You see the impact of Gordon Hayward, you know, stepping out and leaving. You see the success that Charlotte has been having. Uh, and Kimball Walker, you know, you question him from an injury standpoint. You know, that's still an incredibly talented squad. I wouldn't want to see him in the first or second round. But, you know, there still are a lot of question marks over there in Boston. Uh, and, and one of the biggest things we questioned, as I looked at earlier, they don't have a center. You yeah. know, Tristan Thompson was a great pickup as a power forward or a guy who can switch out and you see some versatility. But they didn't have a center. And to me, that's the, this, that's the absolute most ridiculous thing that Danny Ainge has done because – you got to go through Joel Embiid in the playoffs. You got to go through Giannis Antetokounmpo, who just just picked you apart, you know, the last time you guys played. So uh, I, I have a real concern that they did not get a shot blocker, you know, rim runner guy uh, to, to, to play that. And I know Williams is a heck of a player, but, you know, I, I wouldn't trust him to necessarily go out and go guard uh, Joel Embiid for a seven-game series. So uh, I think Boston has the tools but they're definitely a player away. Speaking of the Celtics, so there is Tice, uh, the big guy being traded to Chicago, to the Bulls, and Vucevic comes over from Orlando. So the most important thing, we've talked about Zach Levine before, Ryan, it's just it's important for Zach to have someone to play with, play off of. And the latest game against the Pacers, Vucevic had 32 points. He had 17 rebounds. He was a monster against the Pacers. And so what, did you, what was your initial reaction on trade deadline to see Vucevic and then Tice being part of the Bulls mix. I was intrigued, but, you know, I'm going to be honest, Jonathan, I didn't have a lot of faith in that move. You know, Chicago, you guys have found ways to mess things up of late. So I think it's really cool to see it it working out and helping. And Nikola Vucevic has been one of the more underrated players uh, in the NBA for the last couple years. He's just steady getting numbers and getting busy. And I believe that the front office saw the dismay with, with, uh, you know, Zach Levine, and they finally stepped out and said, like, and, you know, he wants to be traded or he's in every single trade rumor that swirls around. And they just stepped out and told Levine, like, look, we're going to build around you. We're going to bring guys in here uh, so that you can play. And obviously, even with uh, Laurie Markkinen, who ends up being in and out the lineup as much as he is, you know, that's still a very, very good team over there. And I believe he's going to get a sniff of the playoffs, man. So, you know, Chicago's putting together the right building blocks. And Zach has shown you this year, if not anything, that he's a special player you got to hold on to. Sorry, Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, for real. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) I just, you know, and I look at it like this. It's like for the Bulls, you know, if this is under Gar Foreman and John Paxson, they're probably holding their cards and still believing in Wendell Carter Jr. and that young core. And it just, 
it just wasn't working, man. I mean, it's enough that you have so many injuries with Wendell Carter Jr., but they traded him. And then you're seeing now that Kobe White, a young guard, that he's coming off the bench. He's getting buried off on the bench. And so is LaMarcadon. So it's you can tell that Billy Donovan has a lot of stroke already with the organization in which he can make moves like this in which he's like, yeah, I know that Marketing and all these other guys report promised playing time, but it's not happening under my watch. No, and and that's important because Billy Donovan's is as seasoned as the coaches they come, and like you said, he understands if he gets fired, they don't like the way things happen. It's going to be his way. Yeah, it's not going to be because you know the front office was telling him, and people don't understand that in the NBA, there are a couple guys getting a bunch of minutes in the NBA and playing because. The general manager loves them. The president loves them. The owner loves them. But the coach knows, and he's with them every single day, this guy can't play. He should be getting 30 or 40 minutes a night, and the team ends up losing. So uh, you got to give credit to Billy Donovan because win, lose, or draw, he's going to do it his way. And that's what a seasoned coach brings to you. Think about what Doc Rivers is doing over there in Philadelphia. You know, he's willed and dealed a little bit. And, uh, you know, put the right paces and pieces uh, around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to get the most out of them. But ultimately, those veteran coaches step into organizations and they can make those type of moves. And you're seeing it right now in Chicago. Ryan, does chemistry matter with the Nets? Because I, I just want to see all these cats on the floor at the same time. I'm looking for LaMarcus Aldridge, looking for that box score like toward the end of the season. He's going to be like, damn, only has six minutes. I look forward to see. <laughs> I look forward to see what that looks like, man. So, so does chemistry matter when it comes to the Nets? Because if they are going to win this chip, or if they are going to win the East, does does that not matter? Yes and no. You know, when you got a guy who can pass like James Harden, and, and you 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 owe me a you know a soda pop or some chips because I, I let the I let the show know the last time we talked, okay, oh. that that James Harden, if they take the ball out of Kyrie's hands. He's best equipped to pass. Yes. You know, when you have a guy who can pass like that, it makes everything work to work together. When I went over uh, to the Celtics, you know, midseason and played with Rondo, you could have sworn I was there the entire year. The way that, you know, he would find me on alley-oops or backdoor cuts or, you know, out in transition running the floor. And he would kick it ahead. And you, you, I never missed a beat. I knew I would defend and I knew he'd find me on the offensive end. So, you know, when you have a great, great floor general, it makes everything so much easy. And a coach doesn't have to scheme stuff up. You know, James Harden is going to know, you know, where to find Aldridge in that mid range or, you know, Blake Griffin on the backdoor lob or a corner three. So uh, when you got a guy who understands the game at a high level like James Harden, who's the key to a Nets championship, mark it down when I said that he's got to play big. Uh, it's not Durant or those other guys. James Harden is going to be the key to a Nets championship. Uh, everything seems to work so much better, man. Man, what, what, how, how do we replace the Chris Pauls and the Rondos of the world in, like, in the next 10 years? Because we bring these guys, like, we were holding on to Tony Allen at the very end, like the threads on his jersey, like, please come back, right? <laughs> Where do we find those key players, Ryan? Because that, that does matter, right? Yeah, the, the little key player, the guy, the veteran that knows everything, that knows where to be on the floor, makes it stabilize the team. Man, I look forward to seeing what that looks like in like in a decade. Who are who are those guys going to be? Well, th- well, look, man, it's going to be the guys who've been there before and seen it and done it. When LeBron James went down to Miami, he didn't go after the sexiest pickups or the youngest guys. He brought him a Mike Miller and a James Jones because he knew what he was going to bring more importantly to the locker room each and every day when LeBron uh, went to Los Angeles. Jared Dudley, let's roll out. I know what JD brings to the locker room every single day. You know, the positive energy, the work ethic. And if for some reason you got to throw him in the game, he's going to be ready to go and have an immediate impact. So uh, 
a lot of the veteran teams who are gearing up for a championship will go and get those role players and get those guys. And for me, some of the most successful teams that I've looked at, they do bring older guys on. They do bring veterans on. Look at the New York Knicks, the success they're having. They didn't just empty their bench with, uh, you know, with younger guys. They got some older guys in, in, in the lineup because, you know, you got to even out the locker room. Some of those young boys can get darn right obnoxious if you don't have any vets uh, to even them out or, you know, they're young bulls. So, you know, they start competing with each other. Look at Chris Paul. Like you said, he's a, an excellent example of the two organizations he's been with. But, you know, Chris and those kids are in a situation where they're looking up to him. They're listening to, to him, seeing what he has to say, watching how he moves. And they're not competing with him. Chris Paul didn't work with James Harden because they're too close in age. They're too close in talent. Never won a championship before. Never won nothing but won every single other award under the sun. So those two guys looked at each other, and it was just too close for comfort, and it didn't work out. But, you know, SGA can look up to him. You know, Devin Booker now, the Phoenix Suns, can look up to him. So there's always a fit and a mix and match. And I'm, I'm glad, Jonathan, you know, I even had vets. They're not the biggest names, but out there, Othola Harrington was oh, yeah. good for me. Revan Knight was good for me. You know, and those guys taught me how to be a pro. You look down the line, 10 years later, I'm still in the league. Well, I, I I appreciate the vets for sure because I think that's one of the problems in the league, that old head that can tell you what to do. Like Joe Kim Noah, if he had the opportunity, probably should be on a roster someplace, even if yes. he doesn't get sick. It's just good, yes. to, it's good to have an old veteran, man, just a vet in the locker room. That's, that's, what, that's the kind of league I grew up with, the guy that's you know in the locker room smoking, got his feet up. But if you need him, he's available. You know, so, you know, that's, you know, you got to have guys like that. I miss that in the league. You know, when the youngest, when the oldest guy on your roster is like 28, 29, nah, nah. What, what can he tell you? Nah, now, now give me, give me a guy that's 33, 34, been there and seen that, done that. Okay. I like that. I like that. The young kids compete with each other. You know, and their yeah. heads get too big. I hate to say it. You know, NBA players are the most competitive people on the planet. Will shoot any professional sport at that level. You compete. And when you don't have a balance, those young dudes be in the locker room scrapping, literally, because they're playing the same position. They're fighting over the same stuff. So the balance of the veterans evens out and you get a peaceful locker room. Tell me about opinion of opinionated seven footers because your partner Brendan Haywood. I remember working with him on NBA radio. We did a show like four days a week. He didn't think much of me. He just like, ah, oh, this is just another voice, just another dude trying to talk about the NBA. But I impressed him. You know how I impressed him? I said, listen, man. So I covered the Bulls, and Derek Derek Rose was sad to see Luol Ding leave. And Brendan's like, okay, how do you know that? I said, because Derek told me, he said, the reason why I'm going to miss Luol Ding is because at halftime he made great peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and Brendan's like, what? That's <laughs> like, uh, he, Derek was like, yeah, man, he was good with the protein. We needed that. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> and Brendan like sat up in the CD, like, wait, wait, young blood, what are you telling me? I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, he missed, Derek missed the peanut butter sandwiches. He didn't want Lou all to leave because he made the perfect PB&J. And that didn't, yes. then I got his respect, finally. So, <laughs> so, so tell me about the show on IG Live, man, that you guys are doing every day. Well, we have our, we have our podcast, Opinionated Seven Footers. And the one thing we do just to get our daily content out um, is Haywood and Hollins. So the IG Live is technically Haywood and Hollins. 
and hopefully hood a couple times if you can, you know, actually show up. But we do <laughs> appreciate your support, brother. You are one of the strong, faithful who pops in and just uh, shows out with us. But just getting our daily, daily content out, talking, you know, the newest news out. And, you know, every once in a while we might break out with an old school NBA story that lets you know what goes on yeah. in out the locker room, you know. But more so the podcast is us sitting down with some great interviews we've had, uh, you know, uh, Gary Payton, uh, Deion Sanders, you know, Earl Watson, you know, you can go down the list. We had a Sean Marion, a bunch of uh, Andre Drummond, new new Laker down the list with guys that we've had there. So just ha- just having fun, man. I think the biggest thing, creating your own media now and taking advantage of these relationships. Well, I'm glad you spent some time with me on the show. And I just want you to know, man, and, and you put this, I know you always ask your, your people on social media certain questions, but there is no question that you covered uh, the greatest... I think rebuild in the history of sports with Baylor. You did because I mean, dude, how do you come back from uh, a murder on campus? Seriously, how, how do you come back oh, from yeah. that? Uh, seriously, you like, know, there's a real yeah. there's a real stigma when anything like that goes on and you know, sometimes it goes unspoken. People don't really like to talk about stuff like that and you kind of go away. Um, but Baylor is around a hotbed of, of talent in Texas. And one of the biggest things you got to give uh, Scott drew credit for over there. He got old. What yeah. do I mean? Those kids are 25, 24, 23 year old transfers over there uh, that put themselves together. And if you watch the game, it looked like it looked like a high school kid versus college kids. Yeah. Like they look just stronger, bigger. And those were old men who got it. And, you know, that that's a difference. So they may not have the talent and. You know, for those of you who are at home who may not be playing basketball at such a high level, you know, go to one of your first open runs when it's that old dude at the YMCA and you go to rebound and he checks you in your chest and you feel what a grown man's strength is like. So um, those guys just threw bodies around and they took care. They literally took care of Gonzaga. But, you know, 23, 24 years old, man, you're, you're in the peak year of your life. So those kids are big, bigger, stronger, faster. And that's what we saw. And they're going to have a chance to move on. But, yeah, if you can't get talent, you go get as old as you can get. And that's the key. If any of you guys end up being college basketball coaches, that's how you do it. That's how you win a national championship. It, it, yeah, it was it was great, Ryan. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if I take that job, but Coach Drew did. And just for where they were to where they are right now, it's just a great story. It really is. So, nah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks so much for spending time with me, man. And I know you're going to go and chill now and put on your CBSI jacket and have a good day. So <laughs> I pre- pre- appreciate it. Good to hear from Ryan Hollins, my friend from CBS Sports, and also Opinionated 7-Footers, wherever you download your podcast. Look for the Opinionated 7-Footers. And he and Brendan Haywood, they're on IG Live every day, usually in the afternoon. So just follow Ryan on Instagram, and that way you could be able to watch the show every day, like five days a week. They're talking basketball for an hour. So uh, Hollins and Haywood, they do a really good job. That's for sure. All right, as always, I appreciate your support. Uh, for our Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. And if you're thinking, well, where can I get this podcast? Well, you could subscribe on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Also, you can be able to check out the Cap and J Hood podcast feed. You can be able to find it there as well. And don't forget, I'm with David Kaplan every day, Monday through Friday, 7 until 10 a.m. Central Time on the ESPN Chicago app and also on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. 
So I look forward to talking to you again with some more basketball conversation right here. You looking to eat basketball? Oh, basketball is hood right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast.